<laughs> oh, that was good. It's great to be with you today. I apologize for putting my water on the communion table. If any of you, but you know, Jesus is the living water, so. <laughs> so he knows if I need it, he's there. <laughs> uh, so good to be here with you today, to be here at Meadow Park, to be with you who are watching online. I'm Diane Thatcher. Those of you who may not know me, I'm one of the pastors here at Meadow Park. And you are looking good. You are looking good today. It's been an eventful week. We had a blue supermoon. Anybody see it? I didn't. <laughs> I'll live vicariously through you. Blue supermoon. We've got Labor Day sales. Woohoo. We've had fall and summer all in one week, temperature wise. That's awesome. <laughs> but the highlight of this past week for me was our team MPC gathering. And that's where our teams that are serving, they all gather together, and we get to share and hear from each other. We hear stories about how God is moving in our lives. We remind each other what we're doing and why we're doing it. We see how God is moving in this place and transforming lives. And more and more, we're being shaped into the people who love and serve and care for each other and for our neighbors. And as the church, that's who we are, right? That's who we want to be. That's who we're called to be. That's who we are becoming. And it's an ongoing process. And the best part is we get to do it together. I don't know about you, but I never want to stop learning, growing, and changing. And I know this gray hair says that I'm probably, you know, lived most of my life already. But I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop growing. I don't want to stop learning. I don't want to stop changing because there's still too big of a gap between what I know about living for Jesus and what I'm actually putting into practice on a daily basis. See, I want to narrow that gap. And maybe I'm not the only one. I think the one and others in scripture that we've been talking about in our teaching series kind of help us think about how we put into practice living for Jesus and living with each other. Over the past few weeks, we've talked about loving one another. We've talked about encouraging one another. We've talked about welcoming one another with hospitality. And today, we get to focus on carrying one another's burdens. And of all the one another's that we've been talking about throughout this teaching series, I think carrying each other's burdens has to be the one that is the most countercultural. What do you think? Let me just ask you this. How many of you are good at asking for help? I take that as a no. <laughs> me neither. Our culture, our Western culture, celebrates independence, self-reliance, we say things like, you do you. I don't even think we know what that means, really, because there's no world in which whatever you do doesn't impact somebody else. But we say that, and we still have this maybe historically incorrect, but very culturally prevalent cowboy mentality, right? I was raised with it, and I'm still struggling with it on a daily basis. Our culture says you have to pull your own weight. You've got to stand on your own two feet. You have to put on a brave face. Don't air your dirty laundry in public. 
Never drink downstream from the herd. Okay, I just threw that in to see if you were really listening. Don't think too long about it. Cowboy wisdom there. Our culture says you have to pull yourself up by your own bootstrap. It says you've got to bite the bullet. Just suffer in silence. Job 5.7 says people are born for trouble as readily as sparks fly up from a fire. In other words, it's inevitable. If you are human, you're going to go through some stuff. Here's the truth. We cannot walk through this world without at some point experiencing a burden that is unbearable if we are trying to carry it alone. But there's good news because God never intended for us to carry our burdens alone. Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. And the Greek word that's used here for burden, it means like heavy weight or crushing load. And I know many of you walked in here with some heavy, soul-crushing burdens today. Romans 12.15 says, Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. And so we want to acknowledge that we are coming together here and online from all different circumstances, some very good and some very heavy. So I want to take just a minute. I want to acknowledge that. I want to go to our Father in prayer as we unpack this topic today. Father, we thank you for your presence here today, for being our protector and our defender, for knowing us and loving us. There is nothing hidden from you. You know us intimately. You know the burdens that we each carry, whether for ourselves or for someone else. Remind us that we can trust you to hear us, that we can trust you to hold on to us when we cry out to you. Give us the courage and strength to share our burdens with each other, knowing that you are faithful and you keep your promises. Today, we hold on to you, even as we hold on to each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We were created for community. God created us to live out our lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly, together. Something that you hear us say around here <laughs> a lot is that you don't know you need community until you need community. See, we really do need each other. But it's hard to say, I need you. Why is that? Why is it so hard to ask for help when we're hurting? The mere thought of it can fill us with anxiety. We don't want to look weak, right, or incompetent, especially in front of our boss or spouse or maybe the in-laws. I don't know. We have a need to be self-reliant. Maybe we lack trust. And maybe you've learned you're like, you know what, the only person I can count on is myself. We have a fear of losing control. Maybe you've said, if I ask for help, then I'm going to have to give up control. We have a fear of overburdening those around you. And this is one I struggle with all the time. See, everyone has their own stuff, and everyone's dealing with something. And so I always think, well, I don't want to burden them with my things on top of their things. And we over-empathize. Maybe you have a fear of being rejected. Well, what if I ask, and the answer is no? 
Maybe you have been beat up so much in your life that you don't even think that you're worthy of receiving help. Maybe you say, I don't deserve it. Another reason why asking for help is so hard is that most of us, I raise my hand, are pretty terrible at communicating what we actually need. And believe it or not, there's actually a cognitive bias that social psychologists call the illusion of transparency. And if you're married or in a relationship or thinking about getting married, pay attention to this. The illusion of transparency, it's the mistaken belief that our feelings, thoughts, and needs are obvious to other people. So we wait for someone to notice our telepathic pleas for help. And inevitably, we're frustrated, we're discouraged, we're hurt. Why? Because people can't read our minds. Have you ever thought, I shouldn't have to tell you, you should just know. <laughs> I thought that. <laughs> Everywhere we turn, we read or we hear that we're in an epidemic of loneliness. But instead of reaching out, instead of holding on to each other, instead of pulling each other close, we hunker down into this mindset of self-reliance and independence and virtual reality, virtual friendships, which just creates more isolation, more loneliness, more soul-killing silence. To carry each other's burdens, we have to be willing to admit that we need help. And as believers, we should be the first willing to give help or to ask for help. But you know what? Somewhere along the line, we have bought into a lie that says, and see if you can finish the sentence, just hang in there because you know God won't give you more than you can bear, right? God won't give you more than you can bear. How many times have you heard this? Maybe you've said it yourself, or maybe others have said it to you. Where did we get that idea? I mean, it's a nice idea. But it's not true. It's not in the Bible. I mean, have you ever read the story of Job? Just saying. <laughs> he lost his family. He lost his health. He lost his wealth. He lost everything and everyone that he ever cared about. Talk about an unbearable burden. And if we truly look at Scripture, if we read the stories of Job and Jeremiah and Joseph and Elijah and Moses and David, they all experienced heavy burdens in times of feeling isolated and alone. 1 Kings 19, Elijah's running for his life. And he actually is hiding under a bush for some shade. He's afraid. He's exhausted. He's deeply discouraged. And he cries out to God. And this is what he says. He says, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now, now they are trying to kill me too. Pretty heavy. Now, this is important. I want you to take note of how God responds. God sends Elijah to Elisha. I know that's kind of confusing. He tells him, go and call Elisha to follow you, and Elisha will walk alongside you as your prophet in training. And God says to Elijah, and by the way, just, you know, an FYI, you are not the only one left. There are 7,000 Israelites who have remained faithful to me, so take heart, you're not alone. 
In Numbers 11, 10 through 15, Moses is overwhelmed with his responsibilities. And it says he hears all the families. They're standing in their doorways. They're whining and complaining. And the Lord becomes extremely angry. And Moses also gets aggravated. And then Moses cries out to God. Here's what he says. I am your servant, Lord. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor. Put me out of my misery. Take note how God responds. God says, Moses, I want you to pick 70 men. I will take some of the spirit that is upon you, and I will put that spirit upon them also. They will bear the burden of the people along with you, so you will not have to carry that burden alone. Psalm 69. We read of David's deep emotional pain and struggles as he comes under attack by his own son Absalom and Absalom's army. And David cries out to God. Listen to the agony in Psalm 69. Save me, O God, I am about to drown. I am sinking deep in the mud. My feet are slipping. I am about to be swept under by a mighty flood. I am worn out from crying. My throat is dry. I have waited for you till my eyes are blurred. Take note of how God answers. 2 Samuel 17 tells us that as David flees, God guides him to Mahanaim, in Gilead, where it tells us that David is warmly welcomed by Barzai, Shobi, and Morai. Never heard of them, have we? It says they brought sleeping mats, cooking pots, serving bowls, wheat, barley, flour, roasted grain, beans, lentils, honey, butter, sheep, goats, cheese, for David and for all those who are with him. For they said, you must all be very hungry and tired and thirsty after your long march through the wilderness. Anyone starting to see a theme here? See these giants of the faith, right? These giants of the faith with these unbearable burdens, crying out to God. And in our minds, we think, well, the perfect solution would be for God to swoop in and supernaturally take their burdens away. I mean, that's what we want, right? And rescue them, God. God doesn't do that. God does something better. He chooses imperfect people to come alongside them to help them carry their burdens. For Elijah, God brings Elisha, prophet in training, someone for Elijah to mentor, a companion to alleviate his loneliness. For Moses, he appoints 70 spirit-filled men to share the responsibility of caring for all the people and to lighten Moses slowed. For David, God leads him to a warm welcome and a generous hospitality from strangers, people who are willing to share their resources to meet his physical needs and the deeper wounds of his broken heart. Why does God use people like you and like me to accomplish his purposes when he could just do it himself? Why does he do that? Well, I think it's because he wants us to experience the depth of community that only comes when we carry each other's burden, that only comes through the experience 
of shared suffering. See, carrying each other's burdens creates connection. In one of his recent devotionals, Rick Warren talks about the fellowship of suffering. It's an interesting term. It says, if we allow God to use our pain, it will draw us closer to other people and it will deepen our love for other people. See, pain gives us a new understanding and a new empathy. I know that I had very little understanding of what it was like to go through cancer. I'd prayed with people, but when I had to go through that myself and the chemo and radiation, I have a whole new empathy and understanding for people with cancer. When I lost my husband, when he passed away, I have a whole new understanding of the depth of that pain that I never had before. And I can walk alongside people in a different way. Galatians 6, 2 says, carry each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Well, what's the law of Christ? Matthew 29, Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandments? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Rick Warren says, many people think of love as chocolate and roses and love songs. But real love works for the good of the other person. Love tends to physical wounds. Love mows a widow's lawn. Love sits in silence with someone as they mourn. See, we're all connected. The body of Christ, that's all of us. The body of Christ is powerful and designed to carry each other's burdens. 1 Corinthians 12 says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each one of you is a part of it. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all parts are glad. Carrying each other's burdens means being there when a friend falls. Galatians 6.1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, and notice he's talking like family, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who live by the Spirit should gently and humbly help restore that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. The word used here for restore, the New Living Translation translates it as help. It's a Greek word used to reset a broken bone. That's how serious this is. See, connection creates accountability. If we truly love each other, how could we stand to watch a brother or a sister walk around with a broken bone and do nothing about it? Paul says we're to restore them gently. Whether he or she trips up or falls into sin, we're to respond graciously, patiently, with gentle kindness, remembering to love one another as Christ loved us. Remembering that we have fallen at times and that we have been the one who's needed to be restored. We look at each other sometimes and, and we have to say there, but by the grace of God, go I. Carrying each other's burdens creates connection. Connection creates Accountability. Accountability leads to healing. 
Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Don't you love that? When we pray for each other, there's great power and it produces wonderful results. And so we need to to be in prayer. And as we're praying for each other, let's not be afraid to give ourselves a little attitude check, right? <laughs> 6.3 Galatians says, if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Can't say it any plainer than that, can you? We have to examine our own hearts on a regular basis. See, many times it's pride that keeps us from asking for help. Many times it's pride that keeps us from offering help. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. <clears throat> well, what does it look like to carry each other's burdens? I want to suggest that we start from this day forward. I want to suggest that we do one thing. As we're greeting each other, as we're coming in, as we're talking to each other, you know, what's the normal thing? Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. And we go on. It's kind of like the, you know, the follow that cab and the cab goes off, but the person's not in the cab. Yeah. It's like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. And we walk away. I want to suggest, ask, beg, that we try this. When we greet each other, can we say, how are you? And then can we say, how are you really? Can we try that? How are you? How are you really? And when we're responding, instead of just saying, fine, I'm great, fine. And when we're not, maybe, you know, not a lot of us, we don't want to like pour out our heart in the middle of the, of the, the lobby. But maybe we can say something like this. I'm 80% today. I'm 60% today. I'm 20% today. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. How can I help? Since we're being honest, <laughs> I have to tell you that I'm about 20% today. Hope it hasn't shown too much. <laughs> I'm about 20% mentally, emotionally. Some of you know that I've had two family members pass away in the last month, and it's been hard. And I could have asked for help. I should have asked for help. I should have asked for help in preparing a teaching on carrying each other's burdens. <laughs> yeah. Don't ever doubt that God has a sense of humor but I didn't. It's so hard. And yet that's what we're here for. That's why God put us together. He didn't call us out to be individuals. He called us together to be called out as his church to carry each other's burdens so that when the world sees us, they go, oh my goodness, look at how they love each other. 
I want to know more about that. The deeper connection that we've been talking about, we have to be brave enough to open ourselves up. And it doesn't happen in one hour, a couple Sundays a month. And this is why we talk about life groups, why I long for you to be a part of a life group. And I want to tell you that this kind of community that we're talking about doesn't happen right away, even in a life group. It's not a magic bullet. Sometimes we have to try a few different groups before we find the right fit. But it starts with us. It starts with each of us. When we begin to share our joys and our sorrows and our struggles, when we begin to share our burdens with each other, that's when we start looking like the church that Jesus died for. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. Before we do that, I want to pause and I want to acknowledge again the heavy burdens that some of you are carrying today. First, let me just say, if you're here and you're carrying a heavy burden, I am so glad you're here. If you're watching online and you're carrying a heavy burden, I'm so glad that you're with us. Some of you are grieving the death of a loved one. Some of you are grieving the death of a marriage. Some of you are battling an illness, disease, chronic pain, anxiety, depression. You're covering, recovering from a surgery. You're living with a disability. You're exhausted, caring for the needs of a loved one. You're faced with a new diagnosis that has rocked your world. You're worried about your children, about your grandchildren, about your parents, about the future, about your finances. You're heartbroken over choices that someone you care about is making. You're struggling with relationships at school, at work. There's tension in your home. There's tension in your marriage. You're lonely. You lost a job. You're struggling to change unhealthy habits. You're tangled up in a secret sin. You're going through hell battling an addiction. You're going through hell watching someone you love battle an addiction. But you are here. We honor you, we love you, and we want to help you carry those burdens. Some of you were asking, you got a note card and a pen as you came in. And here's what I want you to do with that. On one side of the card, I want you to write down the name of someone that God is putting on your heart, someone that you know who is carrying a burden and they could use your help to come alongside. They could use your encouragement to put that person's name on that side.
On the other side of the note card, I'd like you to write down a burden that you are carrying and that you would like to share or to give to God in prayer today. And then we're going to pray together. And as we sing the song after I pray for you, I want to invite you to come. We have prayer stations set up on both sides of the worship center. I want you to worship. I want you to sing. But if you need someone to come alongside you today, if you need someone to pray for you today, Pastor Mark, Pastor Kyle, they'll be at the prayer stations. Mothers, we're here to carry each other's burdens. Let me pray. Father God, we hurt for those who are hurting today. We weep with those who weep. We ask for your help because we don't know how to help ourselves. We thank you for your love and for reminding us that you are for us and not against us. We thank you that you call us to come to you, to come to the cross, to lay our burdens at your feet. We come to you and we acknowledge our brokenness. We acknowledge our desperate need for you. We confess those things that prevent us from reaching out to offer or to ask for help. Help us to see ourselves the way that you see us. Help us to see others the way that you see them. Help us to be the community that you created us to be. Give us the will and the power to extend the same love and grace to others that we have received from you. Lord, we confess that we are tempted to doubt your goodness when our burdens threaten to overwhelm us. We don't understand why we resist giving them into your care. We don't understand why we struggle so much to share them with each other. Teach us how to share our joys and sorrows. We love you, Lord. We take refuge in your presence and in your loving kindness. And may we carry your presence and your power into our struggles, into our relationships, into our world. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.